Hello. How is everybody tonight? Oh, right. So after you've just sung, you got to gather yourself and at least find your place on your tablet as well. Anyway, um, something that Anth brought last week and uh, in his talks, um, it, it was quite interesting because what we didn't know was somebody else had been talking about this. Um, and when Anth then mentioned it in his talk, it became quite significant because it was like, hang on a minute, we were only talking about this last week. Um, and often we don't believe um, that, quote, God is moving in that way because we think, oh, well, you know, uh, these things are just coincidences. Um, but I do believe that if we're really looking for light and truth um, in, in the just little things that are happening in our lives, the, the gatherings we have together, the conversations that we have, I can guarantee that there will be something there which is a, a, a little sort of clue. They're saying, look, there's something bigger, there's something more going on and, uh, you know, trying to connect with, with where you are. So Anthony mentioned um, the story uh, and I'm not going to go over it now, but it was just the, the story of Noah in his tent. And uh, he'd got himself in a bad way, he was drunk, and his two sons went backwards. And instead of exposing the state he was in, he covered him up. And uh, we mentioned last week that that's the sort of church we are. And we are, I'm telling you right now, we are. We are the, 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 the people who want to cover. Now, that doesn't mean we're a church of covering up. Now, be sure you know that. It's not about cover-ups, but it is about coverings. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight, and I'm just going to do that. But in this, you know, sort of introduction, this welcome to set uh, what we're going to do tonight, we, we felt that... Well, what is that about? What is it really saying? And what, how do we pin it down to what that is about if we're saying that this is the sort of house we are? And we really felt that it was to do with honour. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, honour for me has been a bit of a weird thing because I only tend to see honour in attached to you honour people for doing something great. So if you've ever noticed, it's attached, it's attached to war heroes. You know, they've given their lives, they are honoured. Or um, if you do a great sporting feat, you're honoured by a medal. Or you're giving an accolade for doing something. So honour tends to be attached to a deserving. And I, I, I want to just make sure tonight that we, we, we get past that because if we don't we're really in trouble if if honor is only when we deserve it then what are we oh heck we yeah I'll, I'll move on so um in order to understand what honor is in one sense we have to start with what honor isn't I don't know if you understand that most of the time we come to our greatest truth by looking at the opposite than we do about the positive. And what I recognise that in many ways that if we look at what the opposite of honour is, it gives us a better understanding. So I looked, so dishonour, <laughs> if you look at the dis, um, is to bring shame, is to embarrass, is to humiliate, is to discredit, is to show in a bad light, to blacken one's name, to drag through the mud, 
damage a good reputation. Now, if you think that's dishonouring, you can see what to honour really means. And that helps me because I think most of the time we can be doing a lot of dishonouring and we don't think we're doing it. We're not aware of it. So that was a a big wake-up call uh, for me. So if we really want to honour each other, then I'm going to start right at the beginning. There can be no dis. Oh, that's a good one straight away. How often are we dissing? We diss this, we diss the government, we diss, uh, you know, the things around us that we feel aren't meeting our expectations. There's a diss. So right from the start, if we want to have a culture of honour in this place, there's got to be no diss. So then you might say, well, you know, it's easier to diss than it is to honour. Because, you know, I was brought up very much that uh, to correct people was a way of saying, I'm showing you how much I love you, because if I correct you, that proves I love you, when actually I learned more and more that it was just a way of protecting one's reputation. It wasn't really to do about love at all, but we're going to talk about that a little bit bit later. So so how do we honour each other outside of what we feel each other deserves? That's the big question, isn't it? Can we honour people outside of some external achievement? And more importantly, how do we continue to honour in the face of failure? Now, often it doesn't have to be much. I don't know if that slide... Yeah, there you go. Outdo one another in showing honour. Oh, outdo. It's so easy to honour people when they've done something that we think is good. But how do we outdo each other when in the face of potential uh, failure? So I recognise that it's usually uh, when it comes to a particular failure that people tend to withdraw the honour. And uh, it's like, well, once you get back into my good books, once you have sort of paid the price of what you've done, I will honour you again. But until then, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you that honour. And uh, I don't know whether we've got another slide about um, when we make mistakes. Is that coming up next? I don't know. It doesn't matter. If it does, that's fine. But often we find that you can live a lifetime of doing an awful lot of good things, but you make one mistake. And what happens is you are remembered for that more than you were for all the good. So there has to be a way of honouring people outside their failures their mistakes. We are human beings. We are, we are not perfect people and we're all doing our best, aren't we, to, to, to make it. So um, the Bible tells us to, in honour, prefer one another. And that's a bit of a weird statement. But if you want to simply put it, treat one another honourably. Don't shame. Don't embarrass don't humiliate. Treat everyone with respect. Now, I learned something just recently about the word respect. Re means again, you know, do again. And spect comes from a French word, which is to do with looking. So you, you basically look twice. It's an interesting word. And when you respect something, you look again. You don't dis. Think about it, it's amazing. Disregard. And regarder is the French word for look. 
So if you're going to respect, you look twice, you don't disregard. Isn't that amazing? I was absolutely thrilled with that. So sometimes with each other, we have to take a second look. Why do we have to take a second look? Because sometimes when we feel that something needs to be exposed or uncovered, we have to say, what is really going on? Let's take a second look, not disregard. Don't you find that? Oh, this has helped me this week. Because, heck, we're, we're all in this together and we all want to know how to deal with each other in situations. So, the... Uh, problem is that most of the time we feel that people don't deserve a second look when we feel that the way things are handled is not appropriate. <laughs> Isn't that the case? And we're, you know, we're going to look at that a little bit more tonight. Just with the covering of uh, the story that we, we looked at last week with, with Noah. What happens if you think, hang on a minute, that's not right? And so we feel that we have to maybe expose rather than cover. So anyway, the, the, where are we going now? And I hope I've set that up nicely for you. We're going to watch a, a, a film for the kids. Are you ready, kids? We've got a lovely video for you. And uh, what it is, is um, that it's from Milan. And I absolutely love this film. It was our Riley's favourite for a very long time um, until he got a bit older. Um, but it was where... A young woman joins the army um, of the, is it Japanese or Chinese? I don't know which it is, Chinese. And basically, she does that in order to honour her father. But in the end, she is dishonoured because she's a woman, regardless of what she has, uh, she has done. And, it, you know, it's really quite sad. And sometimes we'd rather die than let people think that they're good people. And uh, sometimes we think it's our duty to expose. Um, but she'd not only saved her father, but she also saved the captain of the army. But she failed by one thing. And uh, that was because she was a woman. Of course, then the honour was withdrawn. But the honour should have been given purely just of the dignity of the fact that she was a human being. So have a look at this and then we'll move on. Thank you. What's sad is that we're capable of doing quite despicable things when someone turns out not to be who we thought they were and who they hoped they were. One of my sincere desires throughout my life had been that finding a Christian community would mean that that was not the case. But I've found sometimes the label of Christian does not free people from doing despicable things just because somebody did not live up to their expectations or was not who they hoped that they would be. That has to come from deeper than some sense of attachment to a religious tribe. It has to come from deep within the soul, deep within the spirit, deep within the, the God-centered consciousness that makes us understand we have an obligation to honor people. See, the truth is that shame changes nothing, but kindness changes everything. And uh, the Apostle Paul in the Bible backs this up because he says that it's kindness that brings us to a real change of mind and change of heart. I think probably the greatest testimony to the culture of this house 
lies in how much you don't know more than how much you do know. And uh, if I'm allowed to be proud without a kind of pride that is ego-based, but a, a pride that we have, in my heart, accomplished one of the things that was very important to me, it all rests in what you don't know, what you do know. Because I can guarantee you there, was, there are stories, and there are events, and there are happenings, and there are things that have been done that if you were to know some of those things, you may think very differently about the people of you have said you like, love, want to be part of. And I'm very proud of that because honour, true honour, is based in that. It's the kindness that changes everything. It doesn't always make you popular, but it does bring change. So last week I, I talked about a story. I want to just refresh your minds on this story because it's central to the theme and then to bring you to a parallel story also in the New Testament. I talked to you how in the book of Genesis there is this narrative about after the, the, the great flood and after Noah and Noah's ark and all of that stuff, it tells a story of how when Noah, uh, the flood had finished and Noah left the ark with his three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth, something happened. And uh, what the narrative records is that Noah planted a vineyard and he, he drank the wine that he had distilled from the vineyard and uh, he got drunk and, uh, and was, was in his tent naked with all his bits hanging out. Um, totally blottoed. Now, I mentioned to you last week because, again, the story behind the story, how many of you have ever considered the emotional and psychological impact upon Noah of the events of the Great Flood? Now, whether the story is true or whether the story is partly legend does not matter. It requires us to look a little further than the whole lovely child story of here's Noah's Ark and here's all these lovely animals going into the ark, mentioning nothing that in that narrative, the greater population of humanity were about to perish in a flood. And they were about to be floating, bloated and white and drowned around the ark that was saving Noah and his family. Now, we could have a huge discussion around that, but when you read these things, I need you to consider, sometimes there's a reason for somebody being locked in their tent and being drunk with their bits hanging out in a state that you would say is not acceptable and is inappropriate. But you see, if we come at things from shame, we change nothing. If we come at things from kindness, we just might give the space to say, Maybe this situation is because of something that has happened. And so Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, one of the sons, the middle boy Ham, he, he saw this, and what I said to you last week in modern terms, he immediately took pictures on his phone, and, uh, you know, before you could say Jack Robinson, it was up on Facebook and Instagram, look at my dad, look what he's done, I respected him, I thought he was a man of God, I thought he was the leader, and here he is, look at him, how could he behave that way, how could he do this, and it's all over the place. Now, of course, that wasn't possible then, but if it had been possible, it would. The only people he could have told were his two brothers and he made sure that he's told his two brothers you won't believe what I've seen you won't believe what our dad did it was a complete dishonor a complete disrespect a complete change to say he may have built the ark and done all this but look how shameful this is now and there was no sense of connection that said I want my father to be honored even in his weakness even in his failings even where 
he's got it wrong. I want my father to be honoured. Now, the other two brothers I explained to you last week, they did something very interesting because um, they, they turned, it says they turned away. They turned the other way. Now, they weren't ignoring the situation. They weren't trying to go, oh, well, this is not real. They knew it was very real, but the two of them took a blanket between them and they walked backwards in the tent. They laid the blanket upon their father, Noah, and then they left the tent. Now they left the father in the tent. You say, well, how did they help him? They gave him the space and the room to process the story of his life so that when he emerged, he could emerge whole and healthy with nobody knowing what had happened, but everybody seeing that he was well, so that only the boys should have really ever known what the situation was, because they covered the shame of their father to give him opportunity to become whole. You see, kindness changes everything. Now, there's a, there's a parallel to this in... Um, in in the New Testament, and, and I just dropped this one in as well. And it's a story of a father and two sons. It's very often called the prodigal story, but it's actually about a father and two sons. And uh, in this story of the father and the two sons, they, they, there is a, a need, but this time it's the father who takes on the role. Now, now, when the father takes on the role, these two boys, one is deeply religious and judgmental, the other is overtly free. One won't do anything, the other will do everything. And so we immediately have a measurement about which of these boys is the boy that's right, when actually the story is they've both got their problems, and they've both got problems probably for good reason. You know, maybe, maybe the young son's felt restricted all his life in a sense that he just had to be free. The older brother has probably felt He's taken all the, all the pressure from dad. He's had all the rules and regulations. He's getting away with murder. So he does all the religious stuff, keeps all the rules. Both of them had a problem. Both of them were struggling. And both of them were dishonoring of their father. The young son, it's your fault. I'm going to do my thing, even if it brings shame on you. The older son, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay here and look miserable and be a problem so that you realize that you're wrong. Both were dishonoring the father. Now, what's lovely about this, and this is where I wanted to take this, to the father, he realized that honor was not a reward for achievement. So it was not, hey, if you shape up, you religious so-and-so, if you stop being so judgmental, I'll honor you, and if you stop being naughty and bad, I'll honor you, he showed equally to both of them the grace that literally covered them. The conversation with the religious boy did not happen in the house in front of the servants so that he could shame him. It happened in the field between dad and son. Not between dad and younger son, not between dad and servants, not between you and your family, not between you and your friend. It happened between the two people involved. And likewise, when the younger son had done all that he'd done, his father met him a long way from the house so that dad and son could talk. So both of those brothers were never shamed in the house. They were never dishonored 
in the place where they lived, but because of kindness, they were given the opportunity to find their true identity and get rid of their respective issues so that they could be fully engaged and fully involved within the family and the community of the house. Now, here's the two last things. When the father met the young boy away from the house, so it was private business, he, he did three things. He, he put a ring on his finger, he put shoes on his feet, and he put a robe on his back. Now, without going into all the details of this, let me explain. When the boy left, all his authority in the place was gone. His reputation was now transient. Nobody had dishonored him. But if he came back without somebody helping him, what was going to happen in the house? So the robe was that. Now, also what you may not realize, in that culture, if you did not wear shoes, you were a slave. Sons wore shoes, slaves didn't. So if that boy comes back dirty, stinky, disheveled, with no shoes, and nothing on his fingers, he is shamed in the house. But his dad made sure before he ever set foot in the house that he had the authority he always had, he had the sonship that he always had, and all of his shame, his filth, was covered. And then when he brought him in the house, they had a feast. So it was ring, robe, shoes, and a feast. That's the culture of honour. Ring, robe, shoes, feast. And so if you think about it, when the boy came back to the house who'd left and finished up feeding pigs, that was his job... After having the robe, the ring, the shoes, when he walked back into the house, he looked exactly the same when he walked in as the day that he left, so nobody in the house knew that anything was wrong. That's what honour does. That's how honour covers. That's how honour blesses. And so to put it in the words of our first story, where, where, um, where, um, where Ham dishonored his father, but Shem helped his father. I want you to be a Shemmer and not a Shemer. That's the difference. What did you say after that? <laughs> I hope it touches you the way it's touched me because when all said and done we hate anybody be rewarded when they've done wrong and of course the, the, the little lad does he have a right to point that out dad they've just beaten me up and you're giving the cotton candy um, I think this is when we get down to the nitty gritty of what we are trying to do as Q, as people in this place, we're saying, are you willing to give to somebody who's just done something particularly horrible either to you or yours? And uh, I'm sorry, I'm emotional because that's what it does to me. It, uh, it hits me where I think we ought to be hit because um, I know we can call ourselves followers of Jesus or Christian or whatever word you want to use but when it comes down to can we really live by that um, then that's another matter so yes it's it's already done me good watching that um, 
coming back then to what we're trying to talk about is that shame and dishonour can seem the commodity that we feel works to stop bad behaviour. So the guy gives the candy floss, but we would be saying, no, something different needs to be applied to stop this bad behaviour, not giving something good. And um, as I was thinking about this, you know, I often say God's in my shower and I'll tell you what, he loves me just as I am because if he can come in my shower with naked me, he really is a pretty decent being or whatever. Uh, but in the shower, as I was getting ready, it came to me a, a phrase. And I remember many, many years ago, as I, as I was a young person, a phrase that was used a lot was this, have you no shame? Now, is anybody here? I mean, it might be an old-fashioned phrase, you see, and I don't want to assume everybody understands it but I remember it well and what it was it was a manipulative statement to sort of say to a person it is shame that will help you if you have it to stop doing what you are doing which I believe is wrong does that make sense so there was this phrase and um, I recognized that yeah it was the commodity this is what you do. You shame people into, into shaping up. And uh, it actually shows deep down, we have a warped sense of our understanding of what is required. Now, Anne's talked uh, over Easter about if we're not careful, we seem to suggest that violence is the greatest expression of love. And we would say, no, that's not true. We don't believe that. Um, but that's how we sort of, you know, talk about the gospel. And we do the same when it comes to our dealing with things. We'll say, well, the best way to deal with somebody, if you shame them enough, then they'll shape up. Now, it's also true that there was another statement that was often made. And I know my mum did it over me, and I'm not trying to, quote, shame her, but it could look like that. But it was a statement, shame on you. Whoever had that, come on, be honest, shame on you. Because it was like, if we somehow get you to understand that this is not a good thing that you've done, you'll, you will shape up. So I was, and I mentioned this in, in, in the introduction, I was brought up to believe that uh, correction of my wrongdoing, the shaming of me, was somehow a gift of love. Basically expose all your wrongdoing and that will make me a better person. All it does is crush you inside and you actually don't become a better person. You become somebody who wants everybody else to be measured by that same measurement and it's not a nice trajectory to go on at all. So I hope you understand uh, that, that now. So we, we, we create a theology to fit all these very warped uh, understandings that we have. Now, here's the thing. Um, the ego, and I mean, Anthony, I was talking about this. It's a word that's very modern. It's a psychological word, and some people don't quite get it, and they think, why should that word be in church? But I'll tell you what, let's talk the language that people understand. All the ego is, is the bit in you that wants to protect you when anything has happened that you feel wasn't fair. And the ego is absolutely going to rise up. And... Um, uh, 
whether you want to use this sort of a scriptural parallel, think about the flesh, the carnal nature, that within us that somehow in the ancient wording of things, they talked about uh, this thing that was going on inside us. I like the word ego, it's easy. It's easy for me. I think, yeah, I get that. But you know, it's the ego that demands, it demands that if we see something else is wrong, the ego demands that we expose it. Because if we expose that, what happens to us? We rise. We rise. If you have a moral superiority that says, I didn't do that, what do we do? We expose the wrong, but we suddenly become incredibly exalted but it's not really us that's exalted. It's that ego within us that says, I am better than you. So I always think to myself, yeah, if we put somebody in their place, if we knock them down to size, if we knock them down the peg or two, they'll shape up. And I've experienced a lot of that in my life. Now, we might not like that idea, but that is what's going on. This is the religious game that's been played out for many, many years, but has it brought healing to the world? The answer is no. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, doesn't do any good. In fact, like Gandhi says, it only makes the whole world blind. And that's what happens. But we can't bear the idea, and I'll go back to the, the video at the beginning, we can't bear the idea of giving the candy floss to somebody who we feel doesn't deserve it. Now, I hope I'm getting across to you. This is what honour does. Honour will always give the candy floss to the kids who don't deserve it, or adults. So I shouldn't just talk about kids. Because at the end of the day, his line at the end was this. They don't look as though they've been given anything for a very long time. Isn't that powerful? And it's like... Okay, and I'm already mentioned it. It's kindness that leads people to repentance. Now, don't get the wrong idea about repentance because that can all get too religious. It was only 500 years ago that repentance became something where it was to do with penance. Do penance. When we repented, it's like, oh, get on your knees and cry and do penance and pay a price for the things that you have done wrong. That's not what repentance means. So when the Bible talks about kindness leading people to repentance, it's kindness that will cause you to think differently about the situation you're in. How about the next time that those kids with the candy floss see that boy, they have an opportunity to say, his dad bought me candy floss. I think they'll think a little bit about whether the beat him up. Now, they, first time round, they might give him a good hiding again. I don't know. Right, you're following my drift. It gives an opportunity for there to be a different way of thinking about the situation. And I know that that's what repentance means in the context of us. Th God constantly comes to us with candy floss. And I'm sorry if that seems a really horrible sort of fairground analogy, but he's constantly wanting you 
to have something good so you might see things differently. Now, uh, human beings are very much a work in uh, progress and often we think of each other as finished articles. And that's why when we do things and we make mistakes, we have great expectations for that. And I love, there's something that I was listening to Paul Scanlon uh, saying on a, a, a video, and he was saying this, charity begins at home. Uh, and he had a lovely little talk about this, but one point that I really picked up was this, charity, you might be in need of the grace today that you offered somebody yesterday. That's charity. But if you hadn't given the person it yesterday, it may be that it's not there for you when you need it. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a good thing to think, okay, am I going to be the one who gives out in order that when I'm in need of it, it comes to me? So in this church, we talked about it being a culture of walking backwards and covering not the cover-up. And um, I recognise that we need a lot of that when you have a, a, a very diverse group of people. We're not trying to make you uh, see it all our way. And I know there was a slide up there a minute ago that when you see things in many different ways, there has to be uh, an, an honour that says, I will accept other people's points of view. And um, in this diverse culture that we have uh, at Q, we have to recognise that without a culture of honour, it just cannot work. Just cannot work. There's got to be an honour that says, you know what? We are going to keep covering, not cover up, but covering. Do you get me? So here at Q, we're, we're absolutely... Uh, I, was, I was about to say hell-bent. Can I say hell-bent? I don't believe in hell anymore, but we're hell-bent in eradicating any sense of shame. We are not going to pour shame on anybody. And um, as a call to action, this is what I want to do. We've just got a few minutes. There's a, a, a slide that you can put up, and it's about uh, namaste. Now, I don't know whether you've heard of this. I love this because... I know I've spent a lot of time in India and therefore I've been exposed uh, to this. Um, and it's, it's, I have to put this down just for a second. It's basically, you walk into a hotel, the Indian people, whether they're doormen or, or waiters or waitresses or whatever, when they see you, they put their hands together and they bow and they basically they don't even have to say the word. It's just what it means. It's this namaste. And it's really quite beautiful. Now, the only reason why, you know, I'm explaining it to you because, you know, you know what we're like as English Christians. We tend to think that the only people who have anything right is us. And, uh, oh, you know, that's a different culture and that's a different religion and this, that and the other. But I'll tell you what, it's about time we expanded in some of the things which would just do us a world of good and basically when you do that it's a little you know a little bowing and it's it means this now the reason why I'm going through it is because some of you when these slides come up there's too many words and you can't read them and you think oh boring but I'm gonna go through it with you look at this my soul honors your soul 
I honour the place in you where the entire universe resides. I honour the light, love, truth, beauty and peace within you because it's also in me. In sharing these things, we are united. We are the same. We are one. Now, some people talk about, when you pray, Chris, you know, how do you pray? And I have to sometimes say, Sometimes I don't know anymore. But I'll tell you, I can, I can hang with this. I can hang with this. And there are times in my life when I have conversations with people and I think I haven't a clue what to do because I feel as though there's something not quite right. And I think at times all I want to do is put my hands together and bow and walk away. And you think, yeah, that'll do, that'll do it. Do you get me? Because if we don't do this, what will happen is that the potential for dissing, the potential for dis will be there. And I think that, okay, if we can find something that helps that, that process. And so this is my prayer. This is my prayer tonight, and we're at 4.55, and I wonder if you want to join me in this. I don't know whether you'd like to put your hands together and look at somebody and repeat those words, it would be even better if we found somebody that we really found it hard. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm really pushing it now. Um, if you really find it hard to honour the soul or the universe or the light, the love that dwells in somebody, do you see what I mean? It's always harder to do it. We can do it with, with people we love. That's easy. See, we talked about that at the beginning. It's always easy to honour those who deserve but what about those that don't? Are we willing to see, say this? I honour. I honour the light. I honour the love. I honour the truth. I honour the beauty. I honour the peace within you. Now, you might be saying, yes, but it's not there. Ha! Caught you. See what I mean? It is. But because of something that's happened, we say, it's not there. It's not there. I can't honour this. Yes, you can. Because in every one of us, all of the time, there is that. And actually, if we keep honouring, and let me use the candy floss term, if we keep giving the candy floss, I believe we will find that those kids will change. And it will be that that brings to a change of mind. So will you give me just one minute? Will you stand up? And will you do a very Hindu thing? Yes, come on, somebody give me, yeah, Chris. Go on, thank you. Come on, I want you to do this. Come on. And a little bow. Maybe he's looking at somebody next to you. And then let's see these words together. Are you ready? Do you know, this is going to do some of you a world of good. Because we don't honour the soul. We don't honour the place. We don't honour the beauty, the light, the truth, the beauty and the peace. By this, we're actually saying... The culture that we have is whatever goes on, this is the truth. So are you willing to do it? Come on then, are you ready? My soul honours your soul. I honour the place in you where the entire universe resides. I honour the light, love, beauty and peace within you because it's also in me. In sharing these things, we are united. We are the same. We are one.
That's like a bunch of candy floss. Do you get it? So sometimes if you're in a horrible situation and you don't know what to do, from this moment onwards, have you got it? Because you will honour rather than diss. And remember, dissing is always easier. But we're not going to do that, are we? I'm not saying you do. This is just a lesson for us all. Come on. I've got to tell myself all the time. Do you get it? So, namaste. Namaste. Isn't that awesome? Okay, we've got a song to do and then we're done. But thank you for listening. I hope that's done you good. Uh, we want to be practical. Very practical in this house. We honour. Yes? Okay, last song and then we're done. Thank you.